Yo, what's good, everybody? It's your boy, Jamie Collisar at the New Negro. I got my man, King Ferdo. I stack the boss. What's really good, Chief? Yo, what up, man? What a week, right? Yo, yo, man. I am. I'm pooped, man. I'm tired, yo. Yeah, I feel you, man. But you know what, man? I, I think that uh, I think with everything that's going on this week, man, if you don't walk away a little bit wiser, a little bit stronger, man, then you probably hadn't been paying attention. Facts. Yeah. Facts. Yeah. Facts. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, man, I'm encouraged by all the stuff that I'm seeing today was super encouraging. Yeah. Um, just to see amount of people that came out. You know, mm -hmm. this was my first actual action that I put together. Right. To see, man, that they were like, I mean, I'm gonna estimate about 200 people that. Yeah. Well, tell the people a little bit about it. You know, I think you're kind of speaking in general terms, but put it in context so people know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, man. So today, um, for those that are listening, we uh, I put together a protest, a peaceful protest. We called it Church in the Wild. And man, Lord bless that thing because I'll be honest, man, I was really trying to get our church, Seventh-day Adventists, to come out. And God just basically uh, was like, you know, our folks didn't come out. And he just right. sent 300 people right when we were about to start. And they all stood there. Wow. And, yo, I mean, all the speakers were lit. Frederick Haynes, you know, that's my that's my hero, man. That dude. Right. That dude was that dude was spitting straight fire, yo, bars, man. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, man. So I felt excited doing that, man. I feel more excited doing that, being in the streets, than yeah. honestly being in the church, man. Right, being behind a pulpit. Yeah, I feel yeah. you. Don't, don't water it down, though, man. Talk about the giant that was there, too, the, the, the civil rights attorney. Oh, yeah, man. Lee Merritt came through, man. Lee Merritt came through, uh, gave out some free T-shirts, yeah. and uh, just let us know about the work that he's doing. So that was awesome. Uh, you know, Brittany White, too, who is a... um. Who, who works for the Live Free campaign and their work mm -hmm. is with um, decarceration and getting people out of prison. She's been on MSNBC right. just to be. So she's like the national director of the Live Free campaign right now. And, wow. you know, and the work she's doing is great, man. And these people, yo, real talk, man, I didn't even have to beg them to come. I just I just hit them on the text and they were like, yo, Jay, we got you. I think people people will continue to gravitate towards a movement that they know that's genuine and grassroots. So I don't think you'll necessarily have to do a whole lot of begging. It's funny that you have to almost strong arm people in the church to get involved in things social justice related. But then you 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 know, you talk to people that have lived and gone through the system or have, have been had encounters with the system or have been oppressed in a way that's real. I think those are the people that you'll get to gravitate to it. So maybe maybe these SDA folks hadn't lived enough or hadn't really like, you know, had their feet held to the fire yet. And that's probably why they're still dormant. But I think uh, what was what was actually more attractive to uh, the day's events is the level of diversity that I saw in the crowd, which was yeah. crazy. And, and I'd venture to say there were more other folks than than us. Yeah, right. in the crowd. Word. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So that that was encouraging because I think I think we talked about this before. Racism isn't necessarily a fight black folks are supposed mm -hmm. to be fighting because we didn't create it. Right. And to, but to see, you know, folks of other races be there and listening and not, you know, lecturing, but listening and sitting there and hearing out, hearing everyone out and, and the things that we were talking about. 
I think was encouraging. I'm not saying that it eradicates everything, obviously, but it definitely is a step in the right direction. Yeah, so, yeah I thought today was dope. Today was dope, man, especially too, man. Like, you know, when I started calling out white Jesus, man. Oh, man, listen. <laughs> listen, I, I saw people tense up, like, wait a second now. Don't take away my white Jesus. Don't do it. <laughs> yo, man, white Jesus, white Jesus, the reason why we in this mess right now, yo. <laughs> but, yo, man, speaking of, you know, um, uh, the protest today and what we've been witnessing, man, there was a video that, um, that, that you know, that was thrown on the internet. And, right. Dude is up to like uh, 60,000 views. Right. And people have been watching it. And I was like, man, I think, man, we, we, we need we need to get into it, man. We need to we need to chop it up, break it up, see what's going on. I got my thoughts about it. Well, let's let's level set about what the video is about first. Give give some context around it so people can kind of understand what it is exactly they're getting ready to see. Because, oh. yeah, I was a, I was a bit stunned when I watched it. I had mixed feelings, but but I'll let you go. Yeah, so it's a it's a video of this you know white guy. Um, right. Sounds like he's from the south. He's got like a little twang, and he's basically um, just telling black people what to do, or, or or he's asking black people, "What do you want?" And you know, like he's real, like he's like y'all marching all this stuff. Let me know. I support you and all this other stuff. And and man, so yo man, I just feel like. Oh, yeah, man. just play the video. I, th I think we need the people to see the video. All right, man. Yo, to everybody that's watching, please hit the like button, hit the subscribe, share it. Also, we um, you know, we just want to let you know we'd like to take your comments. Yeah. We'd like to uh, put your comments up on the screen. So share something and let's talk about this. And so we make this like a, a interactive show. This is not right. just uh, me and my dude. You know, we just want to bring you in as well. So peep the video. Here it is. Tell us what you think, what you feel. And let's get into it. Black America. I keep hearing, we want to be heard, we want to be heard, we want to be heard. Stand up, rise up, stand up, stand up. Black power, black power. Diddy, you're all over this shit. Black power. Diddy, I need your help, brother. We need hmm. to be educated. And we need you to educate. You want to be heard? You are right now front and center as a black community in front of the world. You have the largest stage and the single loudest megaphone ever created called social media. What do you want us to hear? What do you want to teach us? What's the solution to this friend? I'm asking you, Diddy. I'm asking you, LeBron James. I'm asking the leadership of black America. Right now you are on the largest stage in front of the world, what do you want us to know? That you don't like black people getting killed by white cops? We agree. What's the solution? How do we create the change that you were looking for, friends? What is it that you want? See, we've been doing this song and dance back and forth, black America, white America, politics, media, pop cops. It's the same shit since Rodney King. Rise up, rise up, burn a couple towns down, flip some cars over, get some great pictures, Throw a couple viral videos on it. Tomorrow we go back to our shit. You go back to your shit. Here we are. Until the freaking spark is lit again. So my question for you, Black American, my black friends, is what is the solution? You are now in front of the world. You now have the largest stage, the largest voice, the largest media attention. Not only mainstream media, but this great, great, great tool called social media. You are in front of the world. Where are the leaders? 
in black America that are rising up and saying, this is the solution moving forward. We hear you. We, as a white individual, I hear you saying that you are pissed. You do not like what's happened. You do not like the images of seeing a black man literally murdered by a white man. I don't either. I don't want to see a blue man, a purple man, a green man, a black man, a brown man. Hell, I think there's aliens out there. If the aliens come down, I don't want to see some scared-ass cop kill an alien. I want to talk to that motherfucker. Black America, what's the solution, friends? Come on now. Like, now is the time to rise up, unify, get a collective message to us, white America, to all of America, to all of the world, that this is what we want to see moving forward. This is what will make us not only feel better, but will create legitimate change. Or do we just want to do this again in another six, seven, eight months when a viral video pops out of some asshole who's evil, who's deranged, who's a dickhead, whether he's got a badge or not. Dude's an asshole. Is that the plan? Because that's what we've been doing for the last 20 years. Black America, you are in front of the world now. You are heard. You are being heard. So what is it that you want to say? What change do you want to make? How do you want to move forward with us, your brothers and sisters of the white race, of the white persuasion, as human beings? And don't comment below. I don't see color. We all see color. The question is, are you feeling it? What do we do now? Where do we go from here? What do you want to see? Black America, moving forward, you are heard. Teach us, educate us, share with us. God bless black America. God bless white America. God bless all of America. God bless every single human being walking this great planet we live on. All right. Black yeah. America. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So there's so many things I want to say about that video, but you I want to go first, or, or what you want to do? Let me know, because uh... yo, I just showed the video. You go ahead. <laughs> I will, I will, wow! I, will, I felt like I should have broke it up into pieces and just like chopped up. No, right? no, no. Let's let's go in. Right? Yeah, first yeah. Of all, first of all, I've seen as of late, a few posts on social, well, a lot of posts on social media that's calling out the likes of Diddy, Oprah, uh, you know, some of the heavy hitters, right? Yeah. From the black delegation. Here's my issue. Uh, first of all, who appointed them as our leaders? Right. Second of all, uh, that, that video conjures up a lot of different emotions because first of all, uh, what else type of education do you need other than a man dying on live national media, uh, social media, uh, TV, video playing over and over? What, what exactly do you want me to say in addition to a black body being broken uh, for the world to see? Right. I'm not completely sure that I understand um, this, 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 this urge for education from, from white people, because 
the I mean, we marched, we sang, we held hands, we boycotted. Uh, there were riots. Uh, there were more marches. We knelt, and I'm thinking to myself, what more do you want? Because I think the only reason why you see such fervor in that video now is because businesses are starting to be burned to the ground. Yeah. I'm not taking responsibility for that, but it's a byproduct of oppression. Yeah. There's only so much you can take. So I don't really know where this sudden urge to be educated about our plight came from. But I tell you what, though, since he asked the question, I would say just look at all the news articles or just read a list of all the people that have been killed by the hands of police. If you if if you need me to tell you uh, what you need to do as a white man in terms of speaking to the people that you encounter every day in your circle, if you hear somebody say something that's out of pocket about a black or brown person and you don't speak up, you're part of the problem. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't really I don't really. I mean, I, I get where he's coming from, but I don't get it. I, dude, I don't, dude, I don't even get where he's coming from. <laughs> like, because I'm like, I'm like this, yo. As you stated, we're you look like you're about uh, mid forties or something like that, maybe even older. Where have you been for the last fifty or however long you've been living? We we've already put out exactly what needs to be done, and then as you stated, I don't need you to tell me who's my leader, right? Who's black people leader? And that's that kind of white privilege stuff that, um, you know, that is so problematic. And the reason why we're here now is that, you know, his white privilege feels like it's okay to call out black people and tell them how to lead their movement and to tell them what to do and, and how to do it. Like that's, that's what's problematic to me. And it's like, you don't know what we've been asking for. We've been asking for equality. We've been asking for equity. And like you said, here's the thing. The system that you created, that you enjoy, that, that you, you enjoy. benefit from today. Yeah, you dismantle it. Right. You the one that can fix it. Go. Here's here's my thing. Right. It's like this, yo. You out here doing a video to tell black people what to do, but you ain't doing no video to tell white people what to do. Right. You ain't doing no march in your neighborhood. You ain't organizing your politicians and all these other stuff. You out here telling black people what we need. What do you want? What do you want, black people? Listen, here's my thing, right? And I'll give you my um, my personal experience in terms of interactions with police, right? Yeah. It's been a long time since I've rode dirty. Yeah, yeah. Where I didn't have a legit driver's license, insurance, a car that I know that's in my name and I own, and have all my stuff in order. A cop could not even be following me. They could be in the third lane over. They could even be in the express lane and I'm on the regular lane and I see, and I see flashing lights. But something about those lights causes me to swallow my stomach. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I could be doing I could be doing the speed limit. I don't have to be swerving from lane to lane. I don't have to be doing anything. I can be in my neighborhood pulling out a driveway and I see a cop coming down the block. And even if it's not coming for me, there's something wired to that experience that puts me in a disposition of discomfort. Yeah. Now, I didn't create that. I didn't do anything to deserve it. But but parallel to that, if a white man was the, in all the scenarios I just described, 
they go about their business and don't think twice about the experience between them and a cop. And even when they do get pulled over, they're not necessarily polite in the process. They don't have to comply and put their hands on a wheel, make sure you have your paperwork ready, express to the cop that you don't have a gun in the car. I mean, be as polite as possible during the, uh, um, the interaction. They don't have to experience that. Yeah. So the mere fact that someone is even uh, bold enough to have the nerve to tell me, hey, well, what do you need me to do? I've been trying all the things that I, that, that I thought would work that could stop me from getting killed. Those things have not worked. Dude, you're right. You're right, man. I think it was Philando Castile. Your man told the cop, man, I got a gun. I'm telling you I have one. I'm not trying to use it. I'm just, I'm telling you so that- Which which is the protocol. I I own guns. I keep a gun in my car. Right. If I get stopped for speeding, it doesn't even have to be anything crazy. Yeah. The first thing I need to do, in addition to pulling my driver's license and my insurance, I have to pull out my my um, gun license, so they know that there's a potential that's a gun that there's a gun in the vehicle. So that's just protocol. That's that's normal interaction. Yeah. And just for the mere fact that a black man has a gun in his car, that means that well, there's a likelihood, greater likelihood that he might try something. So therefore, I need to kill him. Why are you Why are you even a cop if you can't operate? under duress isn't yeah. that part of the training uh, nah man it seemed like seemed like when it comes to us man the training is to to kill us so even like you take for example what happened with george floyd and go back a few years before that with eric garner right you know man eric Gar- it's like if you're choking somebody they gonna fight for their life because right. they feel like they're dying these police officers are so unconscionable or don't even realize the situation that they're in they think that the individual is fighting right. to to get away. Man, he's just he's moving because yo, you you're suffocating me, man. Right. I'm about a natural to- body reaction. Natural body reaction. You talking about he's resisting arrest. First of all, choking anyone is illegal. Yo, the cop that killed George Floyd had 18 complaints Word. written up against him, and he still got his job. Why was he still employed? I'm I'm still confused as to. What police branch or district or whatever would hire someone like that? If I had, listen, <laughs> if I had complaint, if I had complaints in corporate America against me in terms of mistreatment of my employees, sexual harassment, or anything that yeah. was a blemish, and I tried to go work somewhere else, they wouldn't hire me. No, you get fired. Yo, you need three complaints, and you'll get fired. Three. You do something serious enough on the first offense, you're out. Exactly. So I, don't, so I don't understand. First of all, the police chief should be fired. The mayor of that city needs to be fired. Somebody got to be held accountable for the mere fact that somebody like that still has a job. I don't I don't understand that. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? So the, there are so many broken, broken things in the series of events that led up to his death that you can't just start with the four officers. That's not that's not the end game. The end right. game needs to go all the way back uphill to where the power comes from because there's a problem with the construct of the system. And we we keep talking about the system, a system that we didn't create, one that wasn't created for our benefit. So how is it that you want us to dismantle and and change or rearrange a system that we didn't even create? Yeah, I mean, 
when when the when the founding fathers of this country put together the constitution you think black people were at that table you think Bro, women were at that table we were we in the constitution as it's written today we're not considered full humans right right and so man and this is this the other thing too is that the police system in america is rooted in slave watches exactly right? so when kkk got outlawed it was only obvious that they would join their police forces. So right. you know, people talk about, oh, we got just, it's just a few bad cops and good cops. I'm not saying that there aren't bad cops and there aren't good cops. Right. I'm, what we need to start saying is that we got a whole bad system. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like an apple tree, man. The roots are bad. You know, an apple tree can have some good fruit and bad fruit, but the roots of this whole policing system in America is, I mean, man, I mean, man, it's just, it's just, it, it's crazy. This is what's crazy to me, right? America is supposed to be the leading nation in everything. Right. And it seems to me that we are the leading nation because we're the leading, leading nation in killing our citizens, right. the leading nation in locking up our citizens. We just leading, we lead, we're the leading nation in killing our citizens. Because if communist China is calling out the United States about their, their uh, mistreatment of humans and yeah. people of color, and they were just recently guilty of it of putting people on the streets due to COVID. So uh, a government that's like that wild and out of pocket calling out the United States is crazy to me because we're really that out of touch. We're really that broken that you can have somebody like that call you out. And the thing is, if white people are serious about the change that they, they claim that we've been crying for or they want us to tell them what we need to do and all that. Just listen. That's it. Listen and then take that message that you heard, take that back to your clique and your circle, and you have real conversations. Right. And that means that you got to be willing to lose some friends behind that because everybody's right. not going to agree with you. The right. question is, are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to sacrifice those friendships, those connections for standing up for what's right? Because let me tell you something. If I had friends, right? that I found out that were abusive to their wives. Yeah. Or stepping up to the plate in terms of being good fathers. Yeah. And I, listen, you don't got to tell me twice. We're not going to continue that relationship. Yeah. And, and that's an easy decision for me. And it could mean losing networking with someone that could probably open up some doors for me. But if I find out that something like that is, is out of pocket, you don't got to tell me twice. So I don't understand what is it about the comfort of being in company of uh, racist because I know they have those conversations when we're not around. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So if you can't call people out when we're not around, then yeah. nothing's gonna change. And I rock with that because today at the protest, you know what what I should have said was I love the fact that there are white people who are engaged and not just white, all different cultures who are right. engaged in this movement. But the thing is, this is that you can't just be engaged with me in the streets. I need you to be engaged in the private spaces too. Right. And that means, as you said, calling out your family members, calling out your friends, calling out the those those council people that come to your house for lunch that you have right. friendships with and yeah. tell them, yo, your stuff is whack, man. Right. That's not cool. You know, and I think that's what's important. And, you know, like I got some wonderful, wonderful white friends that right. um, that I, I consider to be allies that have reached out to me and have spoken to me and stuff like that. But I always tell them, look, you know. The main thing that I need from you right now is for you to start educating and start telling your peoples 
what's what what's really good. Right. Because I'm not in those spaces. If I'm in those spaces, I can say it for you, but I'm not in those spaces. I'm not in those private rooms. Yeah. And I can't or I don't influence or, you know, wield power in the boardroom or in other places. I mean, in the position that I am, I'm more than happy to have a conversation with the people that I have access to. But yeah. the rooms that you're in that we're not in, you need to be having those conversations, too. Right. You know what I'm saying? You can't just wait when we're around to show like you're throwing up the fist. And look, that's great and all. But at the end of the day, I need you to 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 be willing to risk, you know, your well-being. I need yeah. you to be be willing to risk, you know, your livelihood. You know, right. if you really believe in, in the movement, and you really believe that we've been done wrong for so long, then that means it got to come at the cost of you possibly being put pulled out of position where your comfort zone is. And that yeah. could mean, you know, having access to some things. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You, you just got to be willing to do that. Yeah, man. Yeah. Big shout out to uh, Kelly Milan, who's a she's in my Ph.D. program at um, at Union. And she's talking about the head of police, local police units known to be a corrupt white supremacist. And many wow. groups here are calling for his immediate resignation. And, and that's the kind of you know, that's the kind of junk that how does a white supremacist get that office, man? I don't even know what the vetting process is. I can tell you um, when I interview people, <laughs> there are a few things that I do that I may not tell them. One, I check your Facebook page. Yes, I will search your Facebook page to see what kind of wildness you've been posting on social media. Two, I'll check out your LinkedIn. I'll check out the people you're connected to. It's almost like imagine the FBI. I think cops should go through an FBI level background check. You can't get certain clearances in government. If you're going to have that kind of power, if your job calls you to have a gun to be able to wield your power over another human being, there should be a, a broad sweep of your background. I don't understand why that's not just the standard. Some of these folks don't even have college degrees. Yeah, 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 man. And, you know, and I, and I agree with that part, too, man. So it's like the level of thinking and your thought process, um, you know, uh, when you're in hostile situations and. To be honest, man, there's some people who I don't even know what their mental state. And then you almost got to interview. What's your reason for being a cop? Right. Like, yo, if you've been picked on in high school, and you weren't chosen. Trying to get some get back. Like, yo, you <laughs> should not be a cop, dude. Go, up, go, go lift weights and join the WWE, man. That's where you need to be. And so, but you know, it's going back to the original point that you that we're making here is that everybody has if you are a, a individual who is gainfully employed you have what's called a supervisor and you have somebody that's an oversight board you know hr whoever it is right. and if people complain about you or people are saying things about you you have to go sit down in somebody's office and you're going to get checked the problem right. with police in america they don't have that right. so you know people have been fighting for the citizens police review board which is which is really great because then citizens can actually be like, yo, oh, this dude got 18 flags. He needs to be yeah. fired immediately. You know what I'm saying? But policemen, they cover their own stuff up and, you know, and they just able to go out. And, and you know, and so this was what was also crazy to me. There was a psychologist who looked at the, the facial expression and the attitude of, um, of the officer that kneeled on George Floyd. <laughs> and her analysis was like, this dude looks like he's done this before. Indifference. He just seemed stone cold like it was just a natural. It was a muscle. A yeah. muscle reaction. Right. Yeah. You know, like when the doctor hits your knee. And right. 
Yeah, like it was a reflex. And I think, man, this is this is what breaks my heart is the, the officers that were watching. Listen, that's a that's a that's a if I'm riding in a car with you and you got some illegal stuff in there and I just hitched a ride. I don't have to necessarily know you. If you pick me on this, pick me up on the side of the road and we get stopped and they find that illegal, whatever the, the stuff is in your trunk. Guess what's happening? Yeah. I'm getting charged, too. Yeah. I can't yeah. Ignorance. That's, it. That's right. Right. So, I, I mean, I don't know what level of charge they're getting, getting ready to get, but I think they should get the exact same charge that the officer got. Yeah. Yeah. They, they're getting second degree manslaughter. So which I think is I'm, I'm not a legal expert, maybe some genius who's watching us right now, um, you know, they could tell us, but from what I understand, second degree manslaughter. So their charges- That's a lesser charge than murder. Yeah, so they're not, I guess they're gonna give George Floyd murder and second degree manslaughter means that you were complicit in, um, in watching it. So I don't know what their sentence is gonna be like, even if they get sentenced, because truth be told, man, we, we've been down this road before and the cops that killed Eric Gardner, they got off. Um, you know, the, the, the killer of Trayvon Martin, who wasn't a cop, but wanted to be like a cop, he got off. You know, like it suddenly became his life was threatened. This skinny little 16 year old mm -hmm. has has the ability to threaten the life of this MMA fighter. You know, this guy who does MMA fighting. So somebody in the comments said that manslaughter means accidental. Well, first of all, <laughs> there's nothing accidental because you stood there and you watched and you had the ability to stop. What was going on? There were three of you guys. You guys didn't pull him off at any point in time, which means that you were complicit. Right. And that means that you should carry the exact same weight. I think what's going to happen is if if more and more cops start getting charged at this level and convicted, yeah. not just charged because we're, we're halfway through the woods. If if more and more cops actually get convicted or we start assigning the death penalty like they do with average citizens. Yeah, I think that you'll see a change in behavior. But the reason why they're empowered to do this stuff, because so many have gotten off. Yeah. So like many. Chris. Yeah. You know, yeah. Their police unions are strong. Their reps are strong. And so, you know, they and they feel they basically feel like, man, they're, they're untouchable. Yeah. Untouchable. They, they are the biggest gang in America. All right. Feel like that. They bigger than the Crips, bigger than the Bloods, bigger than Latin Kings. Yeah. All the gangster disciples, they are the biggest. And 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 don't get it twisted. They involved, they got dirty cops that's involved in all that drug trading and right. all of that stuff and protecting that. So, you know, they got their system. And this and this was like, so this kind of kind of transitions a little bit. But matter of fact, yo, before we transition, did you hear about uh, or have you seen the videos of the police brutality that's been occurring um towards the protesters? And so, so I've I've made a conscious decision to not watch you dude, know, <laughs> a lot of that stuff. Dude, yeah. These dudes is running over people with horses. They knocking down people with cars. They hitting people with batons. They had a couple, a guy and a girl that was driving home. It was after curfew, and they tased him and dragged him out the car. He wasn't even protesting. He was just going home. But here's the one that was crazy. Um, these officers pushed uh, like a 70 year old man on the wow. ground. He was walking towards them, pushed him on the ground. His um, back of his head started bleeding. They injured him. Right. Wow. But check this out. The two officers that did it, they got 
either fired or they got on um, administrative leave. You know, I don't think they got fired, administrative leave or whatever. Yo, 56 officers resigned because the police department took action in regards to what these two cops did to this elderly man. Wait, they resigned because the guys got put on administrative leave or they got they resigned because of the brutality those two officers they did to re- They resigned because the cops got put on administrative leave. Okay, uh, yeah, so that reminds me of people that scream all lives matter when someone says black lives matter. Oh, oh we can get into that. That's right. <laughs> That's what that reminds It's like, how dare you hold us, hold our feet to the fire? Or how dare you hold us at a higher standard? Look, I'm a regular citizen. So there are some things that I'm not trained to do and some things that I don't understand as well as cops do. And they have to go through a, cor- through a course, at least what I understand, to at least understand the law that they're enforcing. So I think that people that understand the law at that level, or at least should understand the law at that level, should be held at a higher standard. And that means that the punishment that you and I would get for for certain offenses, I think their their offenses should be their, their uh, punishment should be much harsher because right. you, know you have understanding, you have training, so you should know better than that. So that means you should absolutely get get uh, punished. And those folks that resigned, I think they need to stay stay gone because oh. that, that's that's a self purge. I'll take that. Yeah, okay. good riddance. Right. <laughs> Like what? What? What is your silly protest? What are you trying to prove? Like what are you? What are you trying? What are you trying to say by doing that? What? What is? What, what is your, what is your point? I'm not a tough guy, man, and I'm not a gangster, and I'm not none of that. But half those guys with these badges and guns, they're they're the kids that I think were in school that got picked on, and now they're trying to use it in a way to like you know use their badge and gun to like be be bullies. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's not only that, too, man. It's a history in America. Um, and, and this was this was financed, man, like to prove that black people are savages, that we're violent and that, you know, we, we're, we're, we're uncontrollable humans and we have to be put down because there's this fear of black men, you know, black bodies. So if you if you start your country off. And you 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 train them to think like that about a certain group of people, it's only gonna manifest itself in the policing system. There's no off switch. It's yeah. on it's it's on autopilot now. Yeah, and then the other thing too is this man, it's like look, um, I think being a police officer is a very difficult job. I'm not gonna take nothing away from that, but also too, like I always question and ask, are they mandated to do periodic uh, psych evaluations or to do periodic, you know, therapy and stuff like that. Cause you see a lot of see, see a that lot stuff of- is not going to be valid to me unless you have an independent person doing that. Someone that isn't beholden, isn't on salary for the police department. So for instance, if you, if you shoot someone, right, let's say there was something that, that merited you shooting someone, you got to go through a psyche valve. Yeah. That psych evaluation should not be done by the very people that's incentivized to get you back into the field. Just right. like if an NFL player gets hurt, I don't think that the team doctor should be the one to certify that he gets back on the, t- on the field. Right. I think that should be done by someone that's not incentivized, not, not on payroll by those people. And I bet you you'd be able to get a lot more people weeded out of the system. The fact is, look, you can't you can't now cry foul because there are riots and, and, and businesses being burned to the ground and looting and all of that. 
that's a fire that you set and now all of a sudden it's, it's burning out of control and now all of a sudden you want to call foul you shouldn't set the fire uh, off to begin with yeah you know what i'm saying so there are things that people that that, that these police you know departments could have done as preventable measures a long time ago we've been saying this stuff a long time ago when when kaepernick kneeled and everybody was calling him out and saying that you know he's being disrespectful this was warning three years ago yeah that he's been trying to tell people like look you guys need to pay attention to this stuff you need to pay attention to this stuff and he was calling attention to it he wasn't being disrespectful yeah. he was calling attention to it and america ignored him and ostracized him yeah and now the chickens are coming home to roost and all yeah. of a sudden woe is me yeah woe is me. oh yeah. i can't believe that they're acting the way that they're acting yeah and that even man goes back to i mean because even before kaepernick there was um Dang, his name uh, uh, just went past my mind. There was an NBA player, and this was around the time when Jordan and all them were playing. He was real dope, Muslim cat. Man, somebody on Facebook, please, um, please tell me his name. But he had protested the American flag of singing, mm. and yo, your man got blackballed from mm. the NBA. Like you don't even hear his name no more. So you know, going back to the video that we showed at the beginning, there is no excuse for ignorance in regards to what needs to be done not right now if you got access to a phone you got access to internet you got access to a tv there's no way you still need teaching yeah there's no way you still need us to tell you what we want and what we need right right that's right abdul raouf yo abdul mm. raouf was killing it man around the time um del curry and all these dudes were playing and he was balling man i mean he was nice you could look at it. and he protested the american flag man they blackballed him and, you know, and, and black athletes have been doing this for years. Muhammad Ali has right. been doing this stuff, man. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has been doing this stuff. And so, you know, man, we've always been proclaiming what needs to be done. But and let me ask you a question about that, though. Do yeah. you feel because athletes have a bigger platform that they should be beholden to speak up? Like, should we, should we feel some type of way about them because they aren't like, you look, at the end of the day, they gotta they gotta keep their livelihood going, right? So, are are we wrong for 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 uh, I guess you know getting on them for not speaking up and not doing extra or posting or saying anything? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean it's both sides of the fence though, right? Because these guys have such a and I'm gonna say women too, guys and women. When I say that. They have such a, a powerful platform that people listen when they speak. So it's like this, right? LeBron, Sprite uses LeBron to right. sell their product because right. they know that if kids see LeBron drinking Sprite, they mm -hmm. don't want to drink Sprite as well. So right. these big corporate, um, uh, 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 powerful corporations, they know how to use them to, to sell their product. Right. So I'm thinking too, man, as, as African-Americans, they need to be able to sell, not the product, but the sell the, um, and I don't want to use the word sell, but be able to push the agenda for black people. Now I get it, man. You work for a system that pays you and it's going yeah. to take a lot to revolt against that. But I think to some degree, we, they should be able to stand up. Like I'm so proud of the NFL players who recently um, came out with that video and they right. put court press right on, you know roger goodell and stuff like that so i think man there is a responsibility of prompt black leaders that we have pushed to the top and elevated to stand up for the community 
Um, but do I hold them completely responsible? Not really, because at the end of the day, I think the power is in the people and the people don't need to keep looking up for somebody to do something for them. So so I, I agree similarly to what you just said. I think I look at it from the standpoint that you are actually enjoying the privileges based on where you are to have that you know NFL career, to be able to play in the league in an integrated league. So you're actually taking advantage of the sacrifices someone made for you to even be in that position. True. Right. Now I'm not necessarily saying that they should always have the right thing to say, or they're infallible and they can't make mistakes or, you know, they may not speak up all the time, but I think that you have, you command such attention. Right. And collectively, because let's face it. I mean, when you talk about athleticism, black people have been at the forefront and, every sport that we touch um, yeah. to this day. So the NFL would not be the NFL without black bodies. That's right. Don't let the us NBA would not be anything without black bodies and That's so right. forth and so forth and so forth. So my thing is the issue is I think like you just said earlier, I think people forget that the power is with the people. Yeah. Collectively. Now yeah. when you when you do this and we're separated and we're all going at it alone and you know and we're not clenched together, then obviously we don't have as much power. But can you imagine if every NFL player that's black came together and said, you know what, fix no. it or not plan. Yeah. Or and or NBA players. And even if they NF, the, the NFL um you know uh owners decide to sue or whatever, they'll be more at a loss than what they would have been paying out anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I do so I do think that there is somewhat of a responsibility to use that platform to speak. Yeah, I, and I agree, man. And the thing that you said is I wish black athletes would do that to just be like, yo, we're not going to play until right. we start seeing change. You already got millions in the bank, so you could, you. could it's not like you're going to go broke tomorrow now unless you mismanage your money, maybe. Yeah. But you got millions in the bank already and just be like, look, either y'all change it or we sitting out. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know what the life is like of an athlete, but that's what I would love to see as a citizen as somebody to say, yo, these athletes just said, we're not going to play in the World Olympics and right. represent America. We're not going to play. Because at the end of the day, this and, and you touched on it before, Roger Goodell came out with that response because this is the people that were in that video, how I feel, were his most high profile yep. players. Mm -hmm. Saquon Barkley is selling out MetLife Stadium. Right. Patrick Mahomes, all of them people. And he knows, man, he's, he's in a bind right now because he's going to make his billionaire friends angry if he, right. can, if he comes out and say something. But he knows that he needs them black bodies to continue to to fund the NFL right. um, so that it can it can still have people come out. Because who coming out? Ain't nobody coming out to see um, only Tom Brady play. Who Tom Brady going to throw the ball to? He's been throwing the ball to black people bending their body backwards to catch to catch the ball to get him his great numbers right you know what I'm saying so so you know you, we're also seeing this um and and I'm real leery about it and I don't want to judge everybody's motives but we got these companies coming out and now they're giving money to uh you know black organizations and all this other stuff and I just feel like you just really just trying to keep black money because that's what you need it's it's PR 101, right? For all these companies that are coming out with statements, 
that are coming out with, oh, we want to support, you know, whatever fund that's tied to, um, you know, racial diversity and all this other stuff. You should have had a, a DNI officer on board. Uh, that's a man or woman of color a long time ago. Yeah. All of this stuff, I believe, is reactionary, right? Yeah. If, if a company is in existence today and you don't have a diversity and inclusion officer on your board right now or in on your, your corporate staff right now, um, you shouldn't be in existence. That should be like almost like a a requirement to even exist. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Because I can tell you right now that most of these boardrooms don't look like me. Yo. You know, most of these C levels don't look like me. No. So no. so how are they gonna be making decisions about people that they have no idea about what their experiences are? Yo. If you really if you really are concerned about what you can do in order to learn, put people in the room that could educate you. Yeah, yeah, man. Yo, let me tell you, man. Um Nonprofit work. So a lot of the nonprofit organizations that do work in impoverished communities, if you look at who are the presidents and the leaders of these nonprofit organizations, majority of them are white women. Mm. And the black person that's on their board is probably like a treasurer or, you know, some other position, man. So you got these uh, these white led organizations who are tapping into resources Mm-hmm. And they are able to um, to do to do programming in poor mm-hmm. communities. And that's why, like, Insecure is so perfect. You know, I just used to work for that nonprofit. And it was a white right. person leading it and they don't understand mm-hmm. how to talk to black kids. So we have a lot of that that's happening as well. And there's no checks and balances on that. And mm-hmm. so, man. And the other thing, too, is this is and I'm going to get to this question because I think this is going to kind of drive where I'm going right here is there's a group called Social Venture Partners. And they're, they're, they're philanthropic, I always meant this word, philanthropic, um, you know, rich people who just come together and they give money to nonprofit organizations. Yo, all the people in that group, majority of them are white males. Hmm. White males, man, they just come. What do you, what do you think the motivation is though? Uh, you is know, it, is it, you think it's, it's, do you think it's, it's, it's partially um uh, caressing their conscience partly that i think partly too i think for some of them if they're business owners that they have to they have to give money to certain charities uh-huh. um, you know so that it can be represented in on their paper. on paper that they gave money to this so i think it also makes them feel good that they've done something look i'm like this though i'll take your money right, right. you're not gonna tell me what to do you know i'll be glad yeah. to have it but what I'm driving to is, man, it goes back to this whole thing for black people where it's like whitey saves the day, right? And there's enough um, money within black America that we could create our own social venture partners mm-hmm. and that we could create our own investments in our own communities and start building them up and start building up black nonprofit organizations mm-hmm. that are actually know that actually knows what some of the issues are and some of the things that they've been through that some of the things that people are going through because we've been through it. But I don't think it's a unique thing that black movements have been funded by white folks. I, I know that, you know, there are parts of the civil rights movement that were funded by white philanthropists. So I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. In fact, I'd encourage it because at the end of the day, you can't really there's no progress without funding. <laughs> right. Let's be real, right? You still need funding. So I wouldn't 
necessarily alienate them from giving. I would say just because you 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 buy your way in doesn't mean you get to have a voice. Yeah. Right. You if you if you really want to participate, you know, you can buy your way in to listen. Yeah. In order to affect change Sit at the back. Right. You you know, you can't you can't pay your way in and then try to influence and try to pull levers to try to help, you know, move things around. But I want to get to that that question that you had up. Can you put it back up really quick? Yeah, let me find it. That's my man Nda Masugu all the way from Zimbabwe. Shout out to the people of Harare doing your thing. Yeah. So all right, all right. Yeah. So he wants to know, man, the potential of black America using its economic muscle to drive change, buying black, banking black. How feasible is that, man? I think that's a great, great question. If you want to hit it first, I'm, 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 I'm gonna go into, I'm gonna go right here. So look, um, we've always had the economic prowess to do the things that we needed to do a long time ago, i.e., Black Wall Street. That's not a fictional story. That's an absolute, real story that you can look up and find the trails back. Yeah. Um, people that were already thinking that way. Yeah. Um, I think that it goes back to the collective again, right? Yeah. So why is it so hard to convince one another that it makes sense to do business with one another? Yeah. Right. What do you lose? I think there's so much more to gain. The reason why black businesses don't thrive is because we don't support each other. We wait for somebody else to come in and save us. Yeah. At the end of the day, if we are the largest consumer there is, in the nation, why couldn't we use that same um, buying power to bank together, to you know invest together, to you know buy into one another's companies and and business ventures together? I don't understand why we're so reluctant to do so. Yeah. I, I guess I, maybe it's there's some deeper psychological um, you know revelation that's out there that I don't understand, but. I just think that there's so much more that we can do together if we really supported one another. Yeah, man. Um, but but it, it's going to have to require a paradigm shift in thinking that that's going to get us there because right now the way things are, we're so fragmented. We're so and we fragmented. feel like and we feel like it's only quality if it, if if somebody white is standing behind the product. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I'll get into you know what I decided to do you know with my own company a little oh, bit later. But I think that. We just got to get to the point where we start supporting one another. No excuses. Yo, man, the, the reality you said it, man. The reality is black people always think somebody else ice is colder than ours. Right. So, you know, man, we and, and we always run to and look for white validation or white people to co-sign it. You know, we want we come out with clothes and we want white people to wear it. We want you know, we, we have our brands. We want to put them. We, we do our videos. We want the light skinned girl or the white girl in it. Now things are shifting where people are becoming more woke. But black people just have this inherent. Um, and so I sometimes I call it internal racism. Right. This in, internal racism. complex, man. And that it's like if I'm, if I'm supporting you, I'm taking something away from me. And, and you know, in every other culture or every other uh, people group has that kind of. Uh, ethics where they where they hook each other up. Look, we live in Texas. Right. We in Dallas. You've been out to Irvine. You've seen how many Indian restaurants is out there. Right. And they right next door to each other. And they're all they, booming. They all booming because they like, yo, yo, you about to open an Indian restaurant? Please keep putting more and more of them in right. there. 
black people, man, if you open a restaurant, then I got to go put my restaurant all the way on the other side. And we're not creating our own communities. But, you know, the buying black, blind, buying black and the economic power, man, I'm going to say this right now, man. Black leadership has failed um, within the church, has failed black people. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to just speak personally from this church, man, the, the millions of dollars that this church collects hmm. and the fact that ain't nobody talking about, yo, we're going to put all our money in two things. We either going to make our own bank or we'll say, yo, Bank of America, I'm going to encourage all of my members to bank with you. And when my members come and ask for a loan and you deny one of them. I'm going to pull out all my millions of dollars and I'm going to send it somewhere else. You know what kind of power that is, man? Right. You know, but but when you when you have leadership, right? And this and this is this is the thing about black leadership that's so important that everybody who's the same color, everybody whose skin ain't kin, right? And when you have leadership that's not thinking about their people, but only thinking about climbing the ladder of white success. You know, and like, you know, and, and how white folk do it too, man. They'll let like, they'll let like two black people get on the golf course and mm -hmm. they'll let the other ones look. And so the, the other black people, they like, man, I'm gonna get on that golf course one day. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna make it. And that's all they thinking about. And they leave and they put, man, we, we have so much banking power. The black church, bro. Hmm. You know, my dollars be going through that institution. Hmm. And that institution, man, is not doing, I mean, let me just say, not all of them, but most of them are not doing what they need to do for their people and for them to rise up out of poverty, but kind of in some ways contributing to poverty. Man, I I think that in order for us to turn the corner, we would need we would need to have a conversation with the guy in the video to try to educate him on what we think we want white America to do because everything we ever needed we've always had yeah we've just never used it in a way to empower one another you know what yeah. i'm saying if you have a business it doesn't really cost me anything to buy the hat that you're selling versus to go buy the one down the street right you know what i'm saying like you're right people think you know our people let me let me say our people think that you know the ice or the green you know the grass is green on the other side or whatever uh, it may be like there's this 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 mindset that we need to like shake yeah. off of us to know that everything we need is right in front of us, right next to us. You know what I'm saying? Like, why can't we pull our money together? If we want to buy a property down the road or somewhere else, you know what I'm saying? We could pull our money together and do that as opposed to waiting to go to some bank that's going to deny us anyway or charge us some ridiculous interest rate. We got the power ourselves. Yeah. You know so I think until we 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 bend the corner and we change our mindset, nothing's going to change. It's just yeah, been yeah, all day over and over again. Yeah, man. Slavery has done a number on us. Um, it has it has divided our community. It has divided us and made us seem like we're enemies and not mm -hmm. um, and not one. Because I don't know if you ever get a chance to watch. So watch this um this Netflix series called Unorthodox mm. and. You know, growing up in Brooklyn, so I'm very familiar with the Jewish community. Let me tell you, yo, them, them cats, they got their own ambulances. Hmm. They got their own hospitals. They borrow money from each other. They don't charge no interest. Wow. They take, they got their own schools and you cannot infiltrate their community. 
You can't infiltrate. They say the dollar in the Jewish community touches seven hands before it leaves. Seven hands because because, you know, they were able to keep their traditions. Right. They were able to keep their history all intact together for black people. We're operating at a deficit. Yo, we lost, man. We don't know. We who don't we even are. know who we are. Yo, this this experiment of blacks in America, this joint ain't working for us because we 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 just, we still just trying to figure out who we is or who we are. You know? <laughs> so, so yo, so man, we got about you know we try to go for an hour. We got four minutes, but I want to spend time talking about um what you got cooking, man, and what you've been doing. Yeah, man. So for for years now, man, I've I've been you know trying to figure out what it is. Um, that I'm really called to do in terms of like entrepreneurship. And it's been a, it's been a journey. Um, part of it has been laced with a lot of fear because, you know, the unknown is, is this big black vacuum that you think you're going to get, you know, swallowed hold into and the hypocrisy of what I've been doing is that I've encouraged everyone around me to go after what it is that they're trying to do. I've, I've supported, I've, I've like just been the champion about, you know, anything someone got going on. If you tell me once, man, I'm gonna hold your feet to the fire to make sure you do it. But simultaneously, I've been operating out of fear when it came to my entrepreneurship and the things that I've been called to do. So mm -hmm. um, last year, I believe it was August, my wife and I, we both decided that we wanted to start companies and, you know, our own companies. And we went through the process of, you know, uh, you know, purchasing the LLCs and getting all that stuff situated. But even after doing that, taking that step, I sat back and just kind of like, you know, let it fester. And yeah, it was yeah. feeling like, yo, I don't really know if, what the next step is and and so forth. But the truth is, man, and this this is for anybody that's thinking about, you know, maybe starting a business is the first step is to just start, you yeah. know, and and the failure that may come is not necessarily counted as a failure because you learn so much along the way. Mm -hmm. uh, but. um. On Sunday, effective uh, midnight, this coming Sunday, I'm going to launch, you know, uh, my website and launch my online store, Father Fresh. And um, I'm going to have, you know, just some fresh gear, man, for everyone. But but the purpose and the reason why I started or even named the company Father Fresh was I have a dueling thought about fatherhood. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, have, I have my own personal experience and I have, you know, the experience that I have as it relates to, you know, being a father to my, to my kids, you know what I'm saying? And, mm -hmm. and I've also observed, you know, um, you know, the beauty in my brother and the way that he operates with his kids and, and just you and everybody else that I've encountered. And it's just such a, a strong thing. And I think that there's a community that's missing um, where we really just kind of celebrate one another, man. So I'm huge into fashion, whether it be streetwear, whether it be, you know, um, you know, dressing up in the suits and all of that. And I've always wanted to just create something of my own that, you know, I wanted to just put into the atmosphere and put into the world. And so I created Father Fresh and uh, I got some pieces, man, that I that I hope that the world will like. And, um, you know, uh, we go live this 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 uh, Sunday at midnight and the the uh, website is fatherfreshstore.com. And we're on Instagram at fatherfreshstore. Um, and you know, I hope everyone support it, man. And I, I'm really excited about it. I think that this is the right time to do it. You know, COVID also gave me kind of like a jolt to really just bust a move and stop, 
you know, pump faking so much. So I'm excited. I'm just ready to to get this thing moving, man. And 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 I appreciate all the support and excitement around it that everyone's been uh, you know pouring into me so far, man. I just appreciate, man. And, and and thank you for giving me the platform to talk about it a little bit, man. So we're coming soon. Yeah, 2020 man. 20 is not completely lost. Yo, it's not, man. This is the year to create. You know, man. I know somebody had said, uh, my five year goal is to make it out of 2020. Wow. And so, man, yo. Yo, when, when our kids grow up and they go to school and they study the year 2020, right. they're going to be like, yo, what happened? <laughs> yo, you can create a masterclass about this. Yo, you got your own thing going on too. Tell the people about it, man. Yo, man. So, man, you know, man, I've been doing, you know, and so I got a little bit, little bit of time left over. You know, man, those people that know me way back from Ephesus have always known that I've always been about that social justice right. and just, um, equity and equality. And I always try to include that in my sermons ever since 2007. So hopping on the social justice stuff is not something new to me. Been always doing this. And so I've decided to start my own nonprofit and um, and it's called Raise Your Voice. And so today, Raise Your Voice put on its first action. And, you know, let me and, and let me say this to everybody out there. And you said it, man, if you believe in something and you're passionate about it, it breaks your heart. Go ahead and do it. Because, bro, man, there have been so many people who have told me, yo, I'm tired of listening to Kalasar. All he talk about is social justice. All he talk about is this, too much social justice. And then yeah. you know, I've heard pe people have told me within the church, stop preaching that because right. um, you might end up like Martin Luther King Jr. or yeah. Malcolm X. And I'm saying that's cool. I want to be like that. Right. right. You know, but, um, but man, you know, God has just um, been doing some amazing things for RaiseYourVoice.Academy.com. And raise your voice was, I think today God confirmed for me yeah. that, you know, man, that he, there was about 300 people there today. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were just listening to the message and to the actionable items that um, that we were putting out there. So please, y'all, check out my website, raiseyourvoice.academy.com. Follow us on Instagram. You got our handles up there. And I'll make sure that it's there. And um, we just want to make sure that we continue to put out dope content, you know, two really dope dudes. We just put in our dope content, social justice content, and just brothers just kicking it off the top of our domes, man. Yeah, man. So look, man, I appreciate it, man. And I appreciate you. And we'll keep telling the truth, man. Keep spreading the message. And, you know, it's going to be a hard truth to swallow, but we, we're ready to tell a story. We, we're ready to you know bring it to the people. So to all the listeners, subscribe, 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 you know, follow us on IG, follow us on Facebook, um, you know, get at Jamie, you know how to reach him. If you don't, you know, his information uh, at Jamie underscore Kalazar or Facebook, you can go to Raise Your Voice. Myself, I stack the boss. That's my social media. Or at Father Fresh Store at the end of that. So at Father Fresh Store. My bad. Yeah. Uh, but I appreciate you all listening, man. And this is two really dope dudes. And we out. Yes, sir. Deuces.